0: Welcome to another episode of the Donut of Destiny, the podcast and all things cardiac CT for anyone interested in cardiovascular imaging. My name is Alistair Moss, and I'm a cardiologist at the University of Leicester in the UK.
1: And I am Praveen Ranganath with radiology at the University of Texas Southwestern in Dallas, Texas in the United States. Alistair, you know, I got to tell you, I'm getting a little worried that we might be too gung-ho on CT and ACS. I don't want to rub any of our interventionists out there the wrong way. I mean, are we just big CT fanboys? Are we missing the forest for the, uh, well, well for the CTs?
0: Oh, Praveen, are you concerned that our interventional colleagues will not engage in the cooperative Socratic method required to critically assess their underlying presuppositions and instead resort to a strategy of suppression using instruments of truth relied on by totalitarian dictatorships?
1: Am am I... Stru- suppression wh- wh- what
0: praveen they will undermine your argument stating that you exercised epistemological flexibility thereby hinting at security concerns using a ct first strategy in addition to the misrepresentation of a historical data arguing towards the strength of a catalogue first approach and will naturally instruct that it would be more appropriate to wait for a larger study to be performed over a longer time scale to provide ample opportunity to prepare their retaliation plan before committing to any change in practice
1: Wait, wait! Epistemological flexibility. Wait, what are you? What are you talking about,
0: Praveen? You lied. Oh well, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> in the words of John Lilly, a primary influencer on the plays of Shakespeare, "All is fair in love and war." Oh. But as with any debate, it's always strengthened by the quality of the evidence underlying it. So what are we discussing in the podcast this week?
1: (laughs) Okay, Alistair. Well, in this era of ultra-high sensitivity troponins, it is now really difficult to work out who has obstructive coronary artery disease and who actually benefits from revascularization. While we are missing fewer cases that our patients are probably pleased with, the specificity for diagnosing those type 1 MIs is decreasing. Up to one-third of caths in ACS show non-obstructive disease, and this comes alongside of the introduction of high-sensitivity troponins.
0: In my mind, CT is a great tool to help refine the probability of diagnosing obstructive disease before actually going to the cath lab.
1: You know, that's a good point, Alistair. Last time on the podcast, we discussed the VERDICT trial that came out of Denmark, and we talked about its implications for coronary CTA in ACS. Remember, in patients with stable symptoms, CT already has robust data supporting its accuracy and its safety. So the VERDICT trial was important because it helped boost our confidence in an ACS population.
0: Right, Praveen. But that begs the question... Is it safe to avoid going to the cath lab based on an imaging first strategy?
1: Well, Alistair, our colleagues from the Netherlands have taken on this very question in the CARMENTA trial. So CARMENTA is short for the role of initial cardiovascular magnetic resonance imaging and computed tomography and geography in non-ST elevation myocardial infarction patients. The trial was a single center Prospective randomized trial in which Smulders and colleagues aim to test this hypothesis. Is a hashtag yes ECT or a hashtag YCMR first strategy a safe gatekeeper for the CAT lab in NSTEMI patients? And
0: Praveen, let's clarify what the investigators mean by NSTEMI and who they included. Carmenta included patients who presented to the ER with acute chest pain, had normal or inconclusive ECG and elevated high-sensitivity cardiac troponins. To be specific, this center in the Netherlands used a fifth-generation high-sensitivity troponin immunoassay, for which elevated means greater than 14 nanograms per litre at baseline or three hours after presentation.
1: The investigators excluded patients with ongoing severe ischemia warranting an immediate trip to the cath lab, with chest pain suggestive of a non-MI origin, with previously known coronary artery disease, with a suspected type 2 MI, with age greater than 85 years, and with the typical exclusion criteria we use for MRI and for CT. Over a four-year period from 2012 to 2016, the investigators screened 771 potentially eligible patients down to 207 total included patients. I'll note here that the most common reason for screen failure of these patients was a contraindication to MR or CT, which accounted for about one-fifth of those screen failures.
0: And Praveen, 207 patients is only a fraction of the size of the previous study we discussed, the VERDICT trial, which included over 2,000 patients.
1: Exactly, Alistair. It'll be important to keep this smaller population size in mind when interpreting this study. The investigators actually did a power analysis and said that they expected to recruit 288 patients, but they stopped at 207 after an independent committee decided that further recruitment wouldn't actually change the results. All right, well, enough about the trial population. Alistair, talk to us about the imaging first concept and each of the three arms in this study.
0: Right. Well, the commenter investigators wanted to see if imaging early in the management safely reduce the number of cath lab visits so they randomized those 207 patients to one of three arms coronary ct first cardiac mr first or routine care now routine care is as it sounds there was no advanced non-invasive imaging performed before invasive angiography in the ct first arm the coronary cta was performed with a 128 detector row dual source scanner with a triple rule-out protocol. In the cardiac MR first arm, functional adenosine stress perfusion and late ganolithium enhancement sequences were used on a three Tesla magnet. When obstructive disease was suggested on imaging, follow-up cath was recommended. When an alternative diagnosis was suggested on imaging, cath was discouraged. Lastly, with normal studies, non-obstructive disease and non-interpretable scans no formal recommendation was made. Providers then use these recommendations from imaging to guide their decision to go to the cath lab or not.
1: Oh, so all the recruited patients didn't have to go to the cath lab. It was only those patients the providers felt needed to go to the cath lab.
0: That's right, Ravine. This was a pragmatic trial design where the test helps to inform clinical decision-making rather than a protocol-driven approach to management. Remember, this trial is not really focused on determining the accuracy of imaging, so we won't be talking about sensitivities or specificities or predictive values. Instead, the investigators focused on how clinically effective imaging would be in the expected clinical workflow.
1: Great. And how about CT specifically? What qualified as obstructive disease that they would recommend a cath for?
0: Follow-up cath was recommended when CT identified a greater than or equal to 70% narrowing of any epicardial vessel or an Agustin score of greater than or equal to 1000.
1: Excellent. Okay, now let's talk about endpoints. The primary endpoint, which focused on efficacy, was the proportion of patients in each arm referred to the cath lab during initial hospitalization. The secondary endpoints, which focused on safety, tallied the rates of MACE and procedure-related complications out to a one-year follow-up period.
0: Okay, so let's get to the good stuff, the results. Interestingly, in the routine arm, 100% of patients were referred to the cath lab.
1: Wow, so all the routine care patients went to the lab. Is that consistent with what you see in clinical practice, Alistair?
0: Well, in the UK, our interventionists collect this data as part of a national audit program performed annually. The summary report for 2019 stated that out of the 56,493 NSTEMI cases, almost 48,000 of them, that's 85%, were eligible for an invasive angiogram. There is national variation in these figures, but greater than 95% of patients will get an angiogram if they're admitted to a cardiac center. So I guess the study mirrors what we see in UK practice. The challenge we have in the UK is getting the angiogram performed within 72 hours. And that's because this is the high quality performance metric advocated by the National Institute of Health and Care Excellence.
1: Uh, National Institute. Oh, that's pretty nice it's pretty pretty nice yeah it's, it's it's nice Praveen okay well anyway how did the routine care arm compare to the imaging first arms
0: well regarding the primary endpoint 88 percent of patients in the CMR first arm and 67 percent of patients in the CT first arm were referred to the cath lab these were both statistically lower rates of referral to cath compared to routine care And what's more, the CT first arm had statistically lower referrals to the cath than the CMR first arm.
1: Cool. So it sounds like the providers felt pretty comfortable deferring some of the patients from going to the lab based on imaging recommendations, more so with CT than with MR. Alistair, let's focus on CT for a minute. How did the CT recommendations relate to who went to cath?
0: 44 out of the 68 patients who got a CT first were recommended for CATH, of whom 43 went on to actually get one. That one patient that didn't get a CATH, despite the presence of obstructive disease on CT, had significant intestinal bleeding after starting dual antiplatelet therapy. Two patients had non interpretable CTs, so they both went to the cath lab too. CATH was not recommended in two patients where PE was found. And unsurprisingly, providers use this info to actually defer the cath.
1: So it sounds like providers had a lot of trust in the CT results when making their management decisions. Okay, let's talk about the secondary safety endpoints. Well, there was no statistical difference in outcomes between any of the three arms at one year out. To be clear, that means that there was no statistical difference in the hazard ratios based on MACE, as well as a cumulative of MACE and procedural-related complications between any of the arms. So based on this, can we conclude that deferring cath based on imaging first is just as safe as routine care?
0: Well, yes, that's what the investigators are claiming. Oh, wait, so you don't buy it, Alistair? At the end of the day, Praveen, Commenta is a small single-centre study. The majority of these patients had a peak high-sensitivity troponin-I in the hundreds range, so these were small myocardial infarctions, if there were that at all. Additionally, fewer than 1 in 7 had a GRACE score over 140, meaning they were essentially a low-risk ACS population. Remember that 99% of the patients in the screening population were deemed to be too high-risk for non-invasive imaging, And they went straight to the cath lab within 24 hours. As the authors comment, a definitive conclusion on whether CT or MRI should be performed first in this population is premature, given the sample size of 207 patients. Most cardiologists don't get out of bed for a trial of less than (laughs) 10,000.
1: Okay, so you're saying we need some larger multi-center validation for the safety of CT and ACS kind of like what we already have for stable chest pain or acute non-acute coronary syndrome related chest pain, right? Exactly.
0: The verdict and commenter trial moves us in the direction of a CT-first strategy, but we need larger validation studies before we start changing clinical practice guidelines. Larger studies such as the rapid CTCA trial in the UK will be reporting soon, but right now Currently, CTA only gets a brief mention in the 2014 ACC Guidelines on Managing End STEMIs and the 2016 Multi-Society Appropriate Use Criteria on Revascularization in ACS.
1: Perfect. Alistair, I think that our last two episodes have given a really nice review on these two important trials on CT and ACS.
0: Completely agreeing, Praveen. It's been really great to discuss both of these studies.
1: You know, thank you, Alistair. And thank you very much to our listeners out there. I just want to quickly remind our listeners that the SCCT annual society meeting has gone virtual this year, and it'll be held between July 17th and 18th. Be sure to go online and register for the virtual meeting. And if you like what you hear from us, please rate, review and subscribe to our podcast. Once again, this is the donut of destiny. Cheers.